guys. Welcome back to A Different Life Story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview, and I've got Amanda Love with me. Amanda is a guest that I was really, truly looking forward to interview because we can explore a bit of a disease that makes many people so helpless and powerless and is such a burden on our society, yet so few people can actually do actually know about this disease. And the hideous thing about it is you can't see that someone has it, but the impact it has on, on the sufferers is just tremendous. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming onto my show. I really, really appreciate that we can have a, a really good chat about, about your life, what you have gone through, and what so many typically women go through out there, and your solutions to some of the problems that you have encountered. So welcome to my show. Thank you so much. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you. Amanda, what we are talking about is fibromyalgia. And fibromyalgia, I mean, it is one of these chronic conditions that typically affects women more than men. It typically is sort of middle age that sort of it yeah. turns up. Um, yeah. So you were actually a rather a, a high achiever, so to speak. You started early. Yeah. Well done, you. Hey, yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit. Tell us a bit about uh, tell us. Let's go back to your teens. And uh, let's think about you as a, as a young uh, girl growing up and, and trying to make a mark on your on your life. Um, did you did you have any problems with your health then? Yeah. So I was a teen when I was a teenager, I was constantly sick every four to six weeks and antibiotics, congestion, sinus infections, and every all my tests came back normal. And that was actually all the way. It was started in my childhood and everything. So I didn't know anything different. And so I was, I didn't know what to do. And then I was always playing catch up with like mm. schoolwork and stuff. Mm. So that was an extra stress on top of it. Mm. And so I did a personal training program out of high school, 500 hours. And I wanted to go into nutrition, but all of a sudden after I completed that program, I turned 20 years old and I was, I couldn't get off the couch. I would go to the gym. I started to crash and I would take two, two and a half hour naps. And eventually I stopped going to the gym and I had just completed a personal training program. And so it was a lot of unknown at that time. I couldn't do anything. And then eventually in the fall of 2010, I went to the top rheumatology place in Mason, Arizona. And they're like, you have fibromyalgia, which I was like, okay, that's a diagnosis but what's next? What is intriguing there and what is so telling about that disease? Fibromyalgia for many doctors and, and lay people, it's all about the chronic body pain. And it's a right. full body pain. I mean, everything bloody well hurts. Yeah. And yes, so there is that aspect to it. But what you have highlighted was the brain fog, the fatigue was that. And that is that huge other thing, yeah. that, that, that shadow that comes over your life. And that is often more incapacitating than the pain that through which some young people can push through. Uh, but it is the, the kind of complete bleh, um, right. what your life turns into, isn't it? Um, did, how was your school performance, may I ask? How did that go with your, with your chronic sort of recurring sickness and absences? Often there's, uh, a, there's a huge pressure on that, isn't it? Um, I actually was held back. But um, I got good grades because I had to work extremely hard mm. in my life to get those grades and stuff. And but I mean, I didn't. I couldn't do anything after that personal training program. I mm. couldn't 
I, I didn't do anything for at least two years, I would say, maybe two, two, three years. And it's because you keep really with fibromyalgia, you can't focus and stuff. And you're in so much pain. You pretty much are stuck on the couch and you can't do anything. Mm. But so I think you have to have the drive to get better. That's exactly what made you outstanding as such. When you were in in the rheumatology clinic, um, what did they, how did they go about uh, explaining the things to you? They didn't really explain anything. They just gave me like a little pamphlet that said fibromyalgia. Mm. And that was pretty much it. And then they said, oh, you could have be on Cymbalta or Lyrica. And I believe I was on Cymbalta, but I was only on it for a few days because it didn't make me feel right. It made me feel nauseous. I couldn't do it. And then the second option was the physical therapy. So That's interesting, isn't it? That's pretty much where it stops then in many places. And what you have to say is, first of all, let's go a bit back to the the diagnosis. Um, Whilst it is such a chameleon of a disease there are still diagnostic criteria uh, that are out there Um, so for those of you who have pain in in many places what your doctor will do is he will actually start pushing on muscle groups and there are certain spots on your body and called trigger points um if you press on them here here they're about 18 different points and typically you can hear it from outside the examination room so normal sort of pressure here doesn't really do much if i do that to a fibromyalgia patient he was okay so you you come with sound effects okay so and that's that's and if you if you have 11 or more of these points so screaming ouch then that is already part of the diagnosis but then you have to score also in all the others and if you look at all the other symptoms that's the the fatigue it's the the eating uh problems it's it's all kind of things that are that are sort of nebulous which you have to ask a little bit harder and before you blink the the typical fibromyalgia patient would say huh yeah now that you say that because yeah for for you over two years this has become the new norm. This has become the new kind yeah. of, how did you, did your mood hold out with that? Um. Yeah, so my mood was, it was hard, honestly. It was this, I was really hard. I have, I think just because I have a drive to get better, I think that pretty much pushed me. And then I had family, my grandmother was a, big big part of my journey and stuff and she wanted me to get well Uh and stuff and she actually was told by the rheumatologist I was out of the room he said oh well maybe she's just depressed and I think a lot of people with fibromyalgia get that from their (laughs) doctors well of course you're depressed you can't get off the couch you can't do anything right so oh, I mean fuck. <laughs> so I mean it's like really no I think okay so let's 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 be a bit more medical I, I, after all I'm a, I'm a, an anesthetist and I ran a large pain clinic in the past yeah. so the, first of all there is a strong link between depression and fibromyalgia yeah. And what's the chicken? What's the egg here? It is, uh, yeah. I mean, it is, if you are constantly in pain, then your mood is not very great, is it? Let's, no, let's start with that. Eventually, um, your mood goes downhill. Exactly. If you are constantly in pain, you don't sleep so well. So sleep problems are actually part oh, and parcel yeah. of fibromyalgia. Yeah. Now, if I only, if I now take a normal person, so any of you listeners without any pain, if I take you, and keep you awake now for 72 hours straight. 72 hours, no sleep. How do you think your body will feel? Horrid. Absolutely. You have pain in, in muscles that you never knew you had, okay? So here you go. You've got that weird web of sleep problems, functional problems, 
chronic pain, depression, yeah. and they all intermingle and weave. And it's very, very hard to take them apart. So that is a given. So, and, and that is the reality that many of my patients have faced and, and that you yeah. are facing. Now you were mentioning um, a drug route there, or two. You mentioned two different different drugs that are one of them available in in the United States, duloxetine. Um, the other one, uh, pregabalin, is a bit more wider wider available. So there are certain certain drug groups that we use in the treatment of pain that comes from pissed off nerves. So neuropathic pain, um, and that is these are sort of uh, one of the yeah, mainstays for a pain physician um, to help patients with fibromyalgia. In an ideal world, you would do so much more. But the problem, of course, in an ideal world, that yeah. there might not be funding for this beautiful holistic approach that you really need. Yeah. And I'm already jumping the gun here a little bit because that's that's what this is all about. Well, um, they're cutting the funding in the US for research for fibromyalgia. They're cutting it. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Was, when you say they are cutting it, was that under Trump or was that uh, a politically motivated thing? Or is there is research in general terms being cut down because of COVID and the need to uh, to put money into different parts of the healthcare system? I think it's to put money in different parts of the healthcare system. Mm. I haven't really, I need to do some more research on it, mm. but. No, and that's, that's. And but they, I don't know if, it's gonna change with our new president, hmm. so. And I can't see it happening because right now you are yeah. killing off scores of your of your countrymen and, and women um, due to, to the pandemic. Uh, at the moment, everything will take a backseat. So elective surgery waiting lists will yeah, explode. Exactly, so it is. I can't, hmm? I can't, I can't imagine what, I don't know what. The U.S. is going to be like so. A war zone, um, a civil Probably. war zone. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 but, whilst this is the reality that your country is facing, there right. is the other reality that people with fibromyalgia face every single freaking day. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that is what we're talking about here. So we cannot immediately do something about the COVID pandemic. I think that horse has bolted and, you know. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> so, but what we can do is actually educate the, the people around us uh, about that disease and about, and teach those people with the disease that there are ways out there that you probably have not appreciated or thought so much about it. So right. when you come about to any painful conditions, what you can do is, a whole spread of things. So on the one hand, you've got the completely non-interventional uh, things. So the physiotherapy, psychology, nutrition, etc. And way over there, you've got the extremes of cutting nerves and putting nerve right. stimulators in and so very interventional stuff. And in between, you've got the drugs and you've got creams and potions and uh, movement programs, etc., etc., etc. I did chain management. There you go. So there's a whole whole range of things. And the problem, of course, is now when you come to a clinic, the question is, what do they provide? So if they only have one thing, if they only have one pain physician who has very little support for numbers, for, for reasons whatsoever, right. and he can only give you drugs, well, then he will only give you drugs. And he will emphasize the drugs and will work with that. And he probably yeah. knows them really well and, and is convinced that this is working. And that's absolutely true. Many patients do get, get a, a tremendous relief with some of these medications. For others, the side effects of these drugs, unfortunately, outweigh the benefits of it. And that is, it, it's a trial and error. We cannot predict right. how a person will respond to it. So this is basically a quick snapshot on pain medicine, what you can do and you know, the whole gamut of it. But the reality is that uh, there are many patients who go to good clinics and the clinics basically say, hey, we try the drugs, the drugs don't work. 
then we try the movement. You just need three weeks as an inpatient in a movement program, and it's going to be all fine. And right. somehow we we unscramble your head, and you're going to go out there and live a beautiful life. In its own right, for some patients that works, for some patients not at all. You said you did you did something like that. You did pain management. Was that a an inpatient or outpatient? How did that work for you? Um, yeah, so it was right next to the physical therapy. At, and so we said to the rheumatologist, should I try it? And they said, of course, they just say sure. And did a consultation. And they said, oh, you're going to need three treatments. And what they do is they would draw circles on all the different trigger points. And then they would shoot like a huge needle into all of them. Oh, right. Oh, so trigger point therapy. And, uh, and did they inject local anesthetic or? Uh, no, I was awake during the whole thing, but it was the most excruciating pain I've ever been in. Uh. And then you, the blood sugar would drop and then you're, they would have to, you would have to have cookies, juice because you're, you had to get that back up. <laughs> and you would feel cool. so Cool. But it was, the, it was the most excruciating. I would never, I mean, I didn't only did two of the three treatments because yeah. I couldn't, I was like, yeah. I'm not, it wasn't giving yeah. me any relief. It was not something that certainly ever crept up in my training uh, as a, as a pain physician. And it was not something that I would have done because we know that, that ultimately you're working you're working, you're like the ambulance on the bottom of the cliff if you try to do yeah. trigger points and because the underlying problem is not going away. You're not dealing with the the, the issues yeah. that are arising uh, or that are, that are causing it, shall I say. Um, oh, dear. Okay. So yeah. you, you try... You yeah, just exactly. try everything at that point. You're just no, trying everything. Absolutely. Oh, so. Cool. So you tried... Now, yeah. you would have had some interesting flare-ups after that treatment. So you probably were lying in bed for three weeks after the needling uh, and after the, the, the interventional therapy. And they, did, they, they said, oh, you just had to take it easy for the next 24 hours. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember. I don't know. <laughs> but I just remember coming out and I was super in pain. I was yeah. crying. It was just, it was horrid. Most horrid thing I've ever done. Hmm. So that was sort of the physical side of things, which you tried and the drug side of things, and both of them yeah. didn't work. Um, what about psychology? What about uh, a pain management program? When I was earlier alluding to program, that refers to here in New Zealand or in, in Australia, Asia, yeah. really about a, a very focused input over three weeks, typically uh, between psychology, occupational therapy, um, physiotherapy, these kind of things. So teaching you what pain does to you, how you can deal with it, teach you mindfulness, meditation, goal setting, pacing, those kind of things. No, and I don't know. Mm. Maybe they offer that in the US, not that mm. I know of. Okay, now that's interesting because part and parcel of it is is that yeah. we have to work with your brain, that we have yeah. to support you, etc. So, and that is such an important bit. I mean, similar to yeah. to oh. re yeah, similar to rehab for an addict. Well, the right. rehab, the first week is the, the, the biological side where you basically do the detox. But then thereafter, it's all where your brain journey, where your, your, your path starts to an improvement, right. to recognizing what is going on in you. So that is such an important bit. So a, a treatment of fibromyalgia without a psychologist is, for me, hard to imagine. Right. It's, it, it's a lot of mindset. I mean, I think. They say it could be because you had some trauma in your childhood or something. Mm. So, mm. and let's not be silly. There is uh, there is this saying: issues stay in the tissues. Um, so, if you have good ongoing ongoing psychosocial stresses, if you have ongoing going depression, anxiety, all these kind of things, yeah. the um, 
and trauma, especially trauma, childhood trauma, maybe trauma that you didn't even know that you had, that will unfortunately have a uh, an impact on some parts of your body. Some people get ulcers in their tummy. Others get colitis, others get um, uh, IBS, uh, others get pain. So there's all that linkage that is so important to be addressed. So fibromyalgia is a bit of a disease because it has all kinds of symptoms that are often nebulous and they're changing over time. And for someone to have that disease, it's not uncommon that they're months, sometimes years suffering before someone actually puts a label onto it, isn't it? Yeah, most people don't get diagnosed until they're in their, I would say, 50s. Exactly. So guys, so that's message number one. Um, don't give up. And if you're constantly in pain and constantly tired, time to explore that with your family physician, with your GP, um, or indeed, maybe maybe if, if you don't get anywhere there, go to the next step, find a pain clinic, etc. So number one. Number two is we, we discussed the various, the, the, the wide variety of treatment options that are out there. And there's not one that is absolutely wrong. And there's not one that is absolutely right. It's just it depends upon how your own belief systems work, what is available to you, both from a logistical point of view as well as from a money point of view. So everything costs money and three weeks and inpatient program, well, that's many, many thousand dollars. And right now with COVID, you might not get access to at all to such inpatient programs. So there is this whole range of things that you need to know is out there for you guys. But now let's come actually to Amanda Love, because so far we have talked about Amanda as one of many patients, but yeah. now we have got Tenacious A, um, the, the woman who doesn't give up, the driven woman who says, well, actually, guys, no, no, this is not the end of my story. This is not, I write the next part of my story. The next chapter is mine. So how did you go about then changing your life? Because nowadays your life is rather different than it was then. What uh, happened? So I actually, my grandmother, who she found a little newspaper clipping and it said a wellness talk by a naturopath wellness doctor. I mean, not he wasn't a doctor, he was a chiropractor. And she went to the talk and he said, oh, if your granddaughter has been sick her whole life and she has fibromyalgia at 20, then she's been very, very sick a long time. And so my grandma thought, oh, he really gets it. And so she had done nursing and stuff. And so I worked with him for eight months and I found out I had two genes predisposed me to gluten sensitivity. I have a soy, an egg and a dairy sensitivity. They're all very high. And the gluten sensitivity was the highest in his practice at the time. And so he did stool saliva also, and he did the chiropractic and stuff. But I mean, that started the path mm. of my journey to wellness. Mm. And I did a elimination diet. It's gonna be 10 years this year. And cut out every single food re-added foods back and that started my journey on getting well but it takes time to get well i tell people and, and that's that's so important amanda what you have yeah. just described was such a breakthrough for you for isn't it and and here we are thinking yeah, yeah nutrition yeah you need a few vitamins no no, no, no. you need someone who knows his shit and and gets his, right. his gets his duck in a row with you uh, about five years six years ago i felt constantly tired constantly right. run down but then yeah. again i was living life to the fullest i was pushing 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 yeah. but still Nickly pain here, bit this there, and I thought, uh, is that really it? <laughs> now, for for yeah. many years, I had already sent uh, my patients to a nutritionist, Ben Boren, yeah. here in Hastings. 
New Zealand. And uh, for those of you who want to do a quick jump back in my videos, uh, I think he was uh, interview 50. I had him on my show. And he basically, I, I went to him and said, hey, yeah. here it is. These are my symptoms. I there, there must be more. That can't be, I'm 50 or so. Uh, that can't be the rest of my life. And guess what? We have done exactly what you've done. Yeah, we've had the, the uh, sensitivity studies and the, yeah. the allergy studies. And I'm German, and I love a decent German breakfast, the bread, the butter, the cheese, right. the eggs, uh, everything. Mm, yummy. And guess what I was allergic to? <laughs> Essentially, a good German breakfast I was completely okay. allergic to. And the gluten, of course, it was there. I had some dairy and so, et cetera, et cetera. So needless to say, I was pissed off. Uh, and I was, I was not so convinced because right. as a doctor, we treat anaphylaxis. We treat life-threatening yeah. allergic reactions. So yeah. part of me didn't want to believe that. Nah, it's just, yeah, okay, it's some paper, yeah, there's something. Exactly. And then I did exactly what you did. And so, yeah. yeah. For, for me, suddenly that shoulder pain there from an old injury, well, gone. Yeah. Right. I, had, I had a crippling tendonitis. I could walk maybe a thousand steps, 2000 steps at that time. And I would have, it, it would have been awful, awful pain on that day within a month or two. Bing, gone. My hay fever at the time, not, not pretty, virtually gone. And yeah. you think, what the hell? What it's the amazing. Hell? Isn't yeah. it? So there you went. You started off, you started off with the exclusion diets. What happened to your symptoms? How did it work out? Um, yeah, so the headaches, I was getting constant daily headaches. I was so fatigued. I mean, it all it really just helps with everything. It helps with all your symptoms. Fatigue, pain, sleep. I mean, it's amazing what food does. And I just, I feel like people don't go far enough with it. That's the problem is that a lot of people just get rid of the gluten, but you might have to get rid of everything else too. Exactly. Why should food cause pain? And that's a weird one if you think about it. Actually, it's not so weird. What happens if your body is allergic to it? Uh, it it will fight uh, the food. So you've got a constant bombardment of your gut with stuff that the body recognizes as potentially dangerous. In this case, the gluten or the dairy. So what will happen is there's an ongoing battlefield and, and no battlefield looks pretty. Now the same happens in your gut. So what will happen is your, your gut lining will no longer work so well. So therefore it's called a leaky gut and you've got all kinds of things that are now are able to stream into the body. Well, and these things, these, these molecules, this crap is supposed to actually stay within the gut and gets pooed out. Instead, it comes into the bloodstream. And now your whole body says, what the hell? Where's all that trash coming from? Right. So the next step, what your body does, it tries to clean up. And for that, it needs lots and lots of, of chemical soup to, to send, send messages around. Hey, there's some crap going on down there. Where's the, where's the rubbish man? And so the, the white cells coming out, and these are all the, the defensive mechanisms that your body has. So that whole thing is called inflammation. So you have got that antigen that comes in, so that, that foreign substance that, that the body hates, the gluten, uh, which then causes leaky gut, causes more inflammation. And that inflammation doesn't just stay in the gut, it goes to every, every other place. Now inflammation, if you cut yourself here and you wait 24 hours, well, it's nice and red and sensitive and you touch it and it bloody well hurts. Well, guess what? Exactly that is happening throughout your whole body. And that's where all these symptoms are coming from. And that's why it is such a chameleon, because it can affect every single organ system, ultimately, every single place in your body, uh, from the head and gives you headaches, to the muscle pains, to, to the, the foggy head, all that that we have discussed. So that's a chronic inflammation. And 
it is therefore so important if you if you were to do some baseline drugs you will find you might still be okayish in your inflammatory parameters but they will be high normal that only means that they are not super high that you have got some really nasty disease going on when we say abnormal high inflammation up there well that means shit we need antibiotics or we need whatever interventions high normal is not normal it shouldn't be high normal it should be bloody low your inflammation so crp is one of the markers there and that should be one zero point something and in my case it was nine ten eleven so just in a normal range but it was constantly high and that was exactly my problem so here you were so you cut out your gluten you cut out your dairy no more eggs what did you eat typically the first uh, question that comes up what are you eating um a lot of meats fruits and vegetables nuts and seeds and stuff and, and after now, and now they have a lot of allergy free products and stuff but mm, that wouldn't have been the case 10 years ago so we no. see that we see that changing so there is there is actually it gets easier but equally after a while you you learn how to cook you learn how to prepare food yourself. Did you become a bit of a, a kitchen queen? Um, yeah, I just stick to pretty much easy, basic, good. But I mean, even all these allergenic foods, they're so bad for you because they have so much sugar and just junk in them, honestly. So you really have to be careful. You really just have to go back to what we were eating a long time ago and stuff and not and not actually not aisles that have all the bad stuff <laughs> so how do you do how do you find bad stuff um it's not it's really easy in america how? i mean i mean i don't know how it is over there but i mean you just go down pretty much any aisles cereals huh? ice creams huh? There we have like hundreds of ice creams here uh, over here. I mean, I think, I think it's that, not very hard in the U.S. What you're saying yeah. is that you look at at each product. My suggestion is, if you turn, if you look at something and it has a label with ingredients, yeah. then don't buy it. Right. Okay, so the simple thing is this is already processed food because therefore you have to add all the ingredients that are right. in there. How about, just how about, instead of buying the chips that uh, that are there with 17 different ingredients, and you actually think chips are really just potatoes and maybe, you know, yeah. dried, fried or whatsoever. So it should be salt chips, uh, salt potatoes and, and oil. Um, so how about going back to basics and make your own chips? Okay, something like that. Or how about cereal? Well. Do you really need that cereal with about 18 E numbers and, and everything like that? Or how about not having a cereal and certainly not having one that has gluten in there, but actually get some old some oats, literally. Yeah. Learn how to make yourself some porridge and use that in the morning. Takes about yeah. two minutes and 20 in the microwave for a decent portion, or you can do it in nice and in a pot and you've got a right. bit of mindfulness going on there. And suddenly no E number was harmed. No chemical was harmed in the making of this food. How cool is that? Yeah, and, and add some fruit or add some. Exactly. And that is something that, that I had to train myself. So it is all a lot about habit and about actually you putting time in and effort in to learn about those kind of things yeah you really have to learn how to cook honestly i mean and then we all want the easy way and stuff here uh, and i mean there's like fast food places all over in the mm, u.s and sure. so and then again let, eat horrible in the u.s honestly no wonder we're so overweight agreed agreed but then so let's okay so guys if you are uh if you're heading for a fast food fast food place 
what could be fast foods that are actually healthy? Is there anything that you can think about, Amanda? Anything that comes to your mind? What's your quick fix if you're out and about? What would you actually get? Um, we have Chick-fil-A and they have a pretty good salad. Mm -hmm. I mean, but there's really not that many places here. Okay. That's problem uh, no i mean uh, i'm sorry the, the big golden archers nah, um or uh, McDonald's, the, i mean their salads aren't that great honestly no they're not um so no guys so what we have got here is uh and and it's basically turkish cuisine dana kebab um which yeah. is essentially flatbread um and you you can either use the flatbread or you can use just the whole thing as a salad so a donut in if you don't know it yet it's a flatbread and yeah shitloads of salad in there salad salad and it's typically carrots uh, right. uh cabbage salad some tabouleh maybe there are some some different things in it and so that's a whole bit of healthy fresh stuff and then you put your meat on there and then you can choose the sauce or i just use hummus uh which is basically chickpeas crushed with some uh sesame seed and a bit of lemon in there um and then roll that up and bob's your uncle so a huge dinner yay size i mean for crying out loud big um is weighing in at about 650 uh kilocalories or calories and um healthy ass okay right. so so therefore there are things out there that you can explore so it not everyone has the time to to do all the the, the cooking every single day Right. So there will be times when you have to do use shortcuts. Yeah. Let's learn what you can do. Yeah, you really you can look up restaurants and stuff and see what they have ahead of time too. Exactly. Honestly. And I mean, we do have Subway, which is like mm -hmm. where you could get a salad or a sandwich and stuff. So that might be a other way. I just haven't been to Subway in so long. I can't remember exactly <laughs> like you, but subway is probably a good place we have um chipotle which is like mexican you could get rice and vegetables and mm. seasonings and stuff like that and then get your protein so chipotle is, is always a good choice i would say mm. so here you are just with a bit of brainstorming we found at least three, four nice yummy things that you could actually have. So if you think, oh my God, I can't eat anything. Well, no, 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 no. We, we never want to deprive people. Ah, exactly. So when it comes to eating, this is actually a celebration. This is a yeah. celebration of your time, celebration of your body maybe celebration of community by sitting together with your family and maybe even preparing that meal together and then right. enjoying that meal together. How bloody cool is that compared with shoving something into the microwave and then yeah. <laughs> eating it in front of the telly? Hmm. Isn't that true? So different cultures uh, can actually teach us a lot, the Mediterranean culture. When we look at the Mediterranean diet and we recognize in medical terms that it is actually a very healthy thing. But is it really the olive oil? Is it really the tomatoes or whatever? Or is it actually everything else that is going around with that, that we take time out from a very busy life, that we are actually starting from scratch, that we're using high yeah. quality ingredients with which we create simple dishes that are tasty yet nutritional. I mean, how cool is that? So yeah. therefore- It's the it, love that goes into the cooking too. Isn't it, isn't it? Right. Uh, Amanda, you're exactly, you're, you're on that journey and you're on this journey now for 10 years. And yeah. now you're actually out there and actually teaching others uh all right. about that uh you have got a podcast tell us a bit about a podcast because that's where you're teaching uh, everyone and, and and having your your own little tribe your own little community yeah so i've had this podcast is gonna hit two years in may uh, 2021 and i created it because i felt like there wasn't really any there wasn't any podcast out there that was just 
fibromyalgia. There was a few podcasts that had episodes, but they were just one-off episodes of fibromyalgia. Mm. And so I created this podcast because it's, I just want people to know that they can get better with fibromyalgia and that you should never give up Mm. because in I think in life, whatever our situation is, whatever our health issue is, we can get through this. It just might take some time. And there's always a reason why you've gone through that health issue. And that's why I want to inspire people to never to take life for granted and keep going. Such an important uh, point, isn't it? It yeah. is, you only fail if you stop trying, then right. otherwise, and, and there is so much, so much we could say about that statement that you just made from actually finding a meaning in your suffering, finding, yeah. finding yeah. a purpose. I mean, you, you were dealt this deck of cards for yeah. one reason or the other. So what are you going to do with it? And I think that is, that is a key question. You can either say, oh, why me? Poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. Um, yeah. You can go that route or you can say, fuck you. Okay, right. I will figure out as much as I can about that disease. I will yeah. know absolutely everything that there is to be known. And if they use big words in, in some publication, well, I will learn those big words. I will yeah. know more than my doctor does. And that's, right. exa- that's exactly yeah. what I've recommended every single one of my patients, that they yeah. need to be in the driver's seat, that they need to yeah, be. Yeah, you can't, you can't play the victim. Hmm. You, you, you get the diagnosis, play the victim maybe for a month and then move on. Because I think a lot of times we get in this victim mode and then we stay in it for years and decades. And it's very sad, but you have to get to a point where you get tired of that and you want to get better. (laughs) Sadly though, there is a thing called primary gain and secondary gain. Yeah. When it comes to suffering, when it comes to problems, a primary gain, if you have broken your arm, well, you might get compensation. You might get um, support from from somewhere. You get people saying, oh, pity. Oh, you you poor soul. You see, I'm in a cast. So these are sort of the the, 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 the kind of primary gains. Secondary gains are those gains where maybe, create an example, a middle-aged woman has been together with her husband for a long time. Their lives have gone different ways their marriage is on the rocks suddenly she has got those those um symptoms those problems and i certainly have seen aspects of personalities where people actually then enjoyed being the victim where mm-hmm. suddenly they got the attention where suddenly they got these kind of things and i guess and that sounds sounds negative but unfortunately our mind and our emotions are quite complex and lives are complex so i think there are these kind of things that these kind of coping mechanisms and ways to think about it that might not be so productive so i think that's so important that that we don't forget the psychology and that we don't forget actually to to really tease apart the mess of our life that mayhem that has been the bullying at school, the childhood trauma, the PTSD, the, the maybe sexual assault, the, uh, the depression, the anxiety, all these kind of things. They are there. Plus now you have got your fibromyalgia. Plus now you have got gluten sensitivity and all these kind of things. Yeah. So this is not an easy, easy fix, is it? And that's, yeah. Amanda, you pointed to it. And yeah. what are you recommending people who sort of come new into that diagnosis what would you what messages would you tell them what are your key messages that you would know the world to listen to oh my key message would you you can't give up I think is the biggest thing and I think a lot of times we we think the 
doctor might have the answer and you might have to go outside to find the answer. And I think like you said, you have to be in the driver's seat with this health condition because you really, you need to feel empowered to, to be able to take the next steps, whatever the next steps are in your journey. No, so true. So true, Amanda. Uh, tell us about your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Um, so my podcast is Fibromyalgia Real Solutions with Amanda Love. Uh -huh. And it's, it's right now it's at 47 episodes and I'm releasing one new episode every week for every Sunday for the, for this whole year. So beautiful. And so. it's on a variety of topics and I'm having some guest experts. And so it's just a fun thing. Beautiful. Do you have any, any groups as such that you mentor or support in the sense of a Facebook group or, or a forum of sorts? Um, I did have a Facebook group, but I decided not to do it anymore just because I think with fibromyalgia, everybody gets in these fibro groups and then they just complain, complain, complain and play the victim. <laughs> and, exactly. Exactly. And that's I the pitfall, to, isn't it? That's the pitfall of, I feel like Facebook and Facebook groups and they get in about, and they've get into like, whatever, 10, 15 different fiber groups. And if I'm the only one who's trying to be positive, changing the mindset type of thing, it sort of falls on deaf ears. So the better way is just for me to have, I just, I like better for me personally, one-on-one -on -one conversations through like Facebook or Instagram and stuff cut through all the noise and stuff so if if people want to get hold of you uh, to, uh tell us your social media handles as you're you happy to be contacted uh via yeah. facebook yeah facebook is amanda elise love and instagram is the same and then my website's also amanda elise love and you could download my free sleep guide for those with fibromyalgia and that's right on my homepage. So that would be a perfect step. Perfect. Oh, what a wonderful thing. And guys down there, just look into the description of the video and of the podcast. That's where we've got Amanda's uh, information to make it easy for you. Amanda, it is such a huge topic and we could talk for hours and hours and hours about yeah. it. But my, I was so keen to have you on, on board because I wanted to, to touch upon fibromyalgia, raise awareness of, on, about the disease, about the silent suffering of yeah. so many, so many typically women out there. And I want to showcase you because here you are living a life. I mean, how, how much is fibromyalgia still playing a role for you? I mean, if I was to examine you now and push on the trigger points, are they still there? Um, no. Fantastic. But I, no, I wouldn't say, I mean, I still have a little health issues, but somebody said to me the other day, they said, oh, if you could rate like your life from what it was back then. And I said, it probably was a negative zero. <laughs> I mean, really? And then now I would say it's probably an eight. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to is you want to get back to having a life again and mm -hmm. I can have a life and do everything I want to do. So, so beautiful. So beautiful. And how many fibromyalgia sufferers can say that? Oh, my quality of life, wow. eight out of 10. Yeah, yeah. No, no exactly, exactly. Right. So what Amanda did is clearly something that is worthwhile investigating, isn't it? So guys out there, come on, don't take no for an answer. Don't just lay down and give up. That's not the way it goes. You want to live this life? Go in the driver's seat, become active research and 
to, to change change your diet one leaf of green vegetable at a time hey yeah. it's just don't 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 cut off everything from absolutely now one complete change in absolutely everything yeah. i'm doing no but make little decisions and and right. every food you're taking you could make a decision but go out there maybe find a health practitioner that can uh, guide you through immunology, through allergy testing, uh, food allergy testing. And it is a journey that is amazing. Um, it, chances are, as a fibromyalgia sufferer, your nutrition is crap. Let's, let's call it what it is. So yeah. you learn how to eat and what to eat, etc. And and if you don't know what to do, well, if you if you get stuck, then there are people like Amanda out there who are having a podcast. So head over to Amanda's podcast, download all of them, and then listen to them at your earliest convenience. And you download them because you want to support Amanda, please. So guys, go out there, download all of them, get their numbers up, and therefore, hopefully, the search algorithms uh, will pick her up more easily because the, the message that Amanda is spreading is so beautiful because you are like me. You're a merchant of hope. You are... Right. Don't, don't give up, mm -hmm. isn't it? Cool. Amanda, I'm so grateful that you were on my show. Thank you so much for, for, for giving us such an honest insight into your life and for being there for others and for, for being that bit of a, of a light in the darkness that, that people just need to hear, especially right now. So thank you so much for, for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. Absolutely. And you guys out there, look after yourself, never give up. And every second gives you a new opportunity to reevaluate and, and your life and, and do something that gets you away from, from the trauma and those kind of things that you don't like and, and leads you down that path to, to that ball of energy that makes you grin when you wake up in the morning and say, yeah, that's my life. I love it. So guys, look out, look after yourself, look out for yourself and make this world just that little bit better place. Bye. <laughs>